I've known Ryan um, for a long time. I think 15 years or 18 years. I was a pastor at the university here when it was still called UPE. Yeah, University of Port Elizabeth. And um, I pastored a student church and, and, and Ryan um, uh, uh, attended as, as, um, as, part of the, as part of the congregation. So we've, we've known each other for a long time. I promised him I wouldn't embarrass him about his years as a professional rugby player playing in Spain and all that. I said I wouldn't even mention it. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Uh, Ryan's married, he's got kids, a wonderful family, and uh, Ryan's been part of our team probably for 10 years. I don't know, how long have you been on staff, Ryan? Since 2014, so almost 20, 10 years. Almost yeah. 10 years. And um, Ryan is going to help me uh, teach this morning. And I'm especially uh, joyful about this day because over the last 10 years, Ryan has taught me to be better. He's, he's shown me spreadsheets and how to use them, <laughs> drives and how to store to them, slips and how to keep them, budgets and how to have them. And for 10 years, I have been the pupil. But today, I am so excited that it is my turn to bring Ryan into my world a little bit. It has taken some time, but I'm excited. <laughs> I think it's going to be fun. I've really got something I want to share today, uh, which is going to be great. Yeah, so this is Heart for the House Sunday. It's going to be a blend of information and spiritual input. You're going to get something out of it, whichever side of that inspires you the most. One of the things, and we've been in a series titled Tightlines, one of the things about the Christian journey that always surprises me is the challenge, especially Christians, and if, if you're not a Christian, I think you'll get something out of this too, um, especially Christians experience, the, the, the challenge of finding the balance between being super spiritual and super practical. But some Christians were very spiritual, praying, fasting, casting out demons, reading, soaking, singing, and then just sometimes a little low on the action. And then some people are all action, all do, all input, all make it happen for myself, make it happen for the world, make it happen out there, and full of action, never pause to pray, never pause to ask the Lord to be. So we've learned to figure that out and what it looks like to have those two. And one of the things we've discovered is that it's not that some people are action and some people are, are prayer. Or, or spirit, it's your two legs, not two people. And it's important if you're going to go anywhere in life that both legs are equally strong. Do you see what I mean? And you'll see in a minute, he's going to teach us that. You can't say, well, I'll do the praying, someone else will do the doing. Someone's going to go somewhere, but I'm not sure it's you, and I'm not sure it's where you want to go. So we want to talk a little about that. Is that okay? Did I set that up okay? Perfect. Now, Ryan also, in the end, got his master's in the space of non-profits. Uh, 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 I mean, his MBA. My apologies, that's an insult. Because you know what they say, how do you know if someone's got an MBA? 
they tell you they have an I did ask at, George to talk about this though. Yes. Like so. At Henley, which is a global and international institution, and in fact, they've, can I say the whole I thing? was hoping you would, so please, otherwise oh, yeah. I will. I don't believe you. <laughs> You're playing me now. Um, he will actually form part of a, an invitational team that will go over to the UK in a couple of weeks, uh, representing South Africa, some from business and some from corporate and some from government, some from non-profit, when our president meets the new king. So I think that's... And so um, I, I have great admiration for how God has opened doors uh, for this guy. Colossians chapter 1 from the message says, Our prayers for you are always spilling over into thanksgiving. We can't quit thanking God our Father and Jesus our Messiah. Um, uh, um, I'm for you. We keep getting reports of your steady faith in Christ our Jesus and the love you continually extend to all Christians. The lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack. Tightly tied as they are to your future in heaven kept taught by hope. It's been our scripture for the series. Today, we're going to talk to you about how to get anywhere in life. How to get anywhere in life. The two feet working in some kind of tandem. I, I put this proverb up on the screen. I called it a popular proverb because I, I first said an African proverb. Then I googled and I found out nobody knows if it comes from Africa. But I think it does because it's good. Yes. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I do think that's good. It's probably biblical and it's probably African. Yeah. <laughs> guys, oh yeah, absolutely. Did you guys watch the Zulu King's coronation yesterday? I did, yeah, I did. It was fascinating. Comment section is wild. Wild. People need Jesus. Really, I nearly started typing. Repent. The end is near, you know, for some of the comments. Luke, Luke chapter 10, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. I want to pose a question to you before I, I ask Ryan um, to, to take us through his section. Jesus encourages us to go two by two. Ecclesiastes says two is better than one. Numbers, when uh, Moses sent the spies into the land, they went in pairs. Life is a team sport. Have you chosen your team well? If God said, go into your future, take some people with, who are you choosing? What field are you playing on and who's your coach? Because people are getting lost going alone and that was never Christ's instruction. The Godhead itself is not alone. It's three in one. And we've got to learn the skill of partnering properly and choosing wisely and walking in accountability. I think that's very powerful. One of my passions as a pastor is to teach the difference with the importance of the balance between prophecy and strategy, especially pastors. When I hang out with pastors, lots of prophecy. Everyone's got a word. They're going to need to live to 500 to fulfill the words that they have on their lives. Just no plan. Just don't have a strategy. It's important to have that. It's important to have the two legs of identity and legacy. Who I am becoming is important. And we come to church to answer that question. 
Who am I, Lord, in you? But legacy is also important. What do I leave behind and what difference do I make in the world? Church can't, spirituality can't only be about feed me and then, oh well, for the rest. It's, it's integrity and identity, but it's legacy and influence. I think we have to do both. I, I want you to know by the end of this message that you're growing and developing in your character, but you're also making a difference in this world. You are making a difference in this world. And we're going to show you how uh, today so that you can express gratitude over that. Can you say amen? Two legs, not two people. How many of you have heard the phrase left brain, right brain? For a long time when people asked me, I had this weird picture in my mind that I'm a right brain person and I'm just empty on the left. It's not like you don't have any of it. You just lean on one. You need a bit of both. And I want to encourage us to cultivate that together. Psalm 18 says, He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. If you want to go high, you've got to stand firm, both legs. Can you say amen to that? So I'm going to invite Ryan to help me teach three points today. And they are the three steps on how to get anywhere. And our objective is to introduce to you the balance between spiritual and practical, between character and also legacy or identity and legacy. And so, Ryan, over to you. Teach us your ways. So we've been looking at some questions, and one of those, which is quite a broad one, and also you think there's a simple answer, but it is, in what way does the church change the world? Simple question. Um, but I'm going to let the, the, the pastors handle the theology side of that and today try and tell you some stories about how we're putting faith into action as the church. Practical ways in which we have impacted on and, and are impacting people's lives. I think people's lives can be changed for eternity and we know that uh, through the gospel. And that has impact on our families and, and eternity. Um, but in what way will the church be missed if it didn't have a role in society? Are we making a difference in the world, in our city? Are we making a world better for our kids one day? A lot of our foundation and sort of uh, structures and thinking has come around a scripture, James 2 verse 14 in the message translation. Um, so this is James 2 verse 14. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come across an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off, providing nothing, no soup or anything. Does that get you? What does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? So I'm going to add in one or two words and reread a part of it to give context to what we're talking about today. For instance, you come across an unemployed friend and say, Good morning, friend. God is your provider. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then walk off without giving them tools or pointing them to opportunities. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I'll press the button. <laughs> I think sometimes it's not as it's it's uh, 
Not as spiritual as a prayer or a song of worship. Sometimes faith into action is as simple and as practical as budgeting, as being employable, as having a good attitude, as teaching kids how to code, as learning a new skill set. That is also useful to the soul. It's just as useful as singing a song or saying a prayer. Further on in James, it talks about how faith and works need to fit together like a glove. You need both faith and action, not either or. I think we get so good at one, one or the other that we neglect the one. Don't become so good at faith that you neglect action. Don't be so good at doing things that you don't actually rely on God. George spoke about me being on team for the last 10 years. I think that part is what I've learned since being surrounded by church and the gospel is how to rely on God while I was doing things. It takes an effort to build a life where faith and action complement each other. It's my hope that over this talk we'll learn to build a life that faith and action fit like that glove that was spoken about in the scripture. Because I'm sure in this kind of, in this kind of atmosphere... That is where God can move and really change a city or influence the area around where we are acting. Hello to me. 1 Peter 1 from the message says, your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to give you, get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. Becoming aware that everything I do is spiritual and I become aware of God's presence in what I do, not just in church or during songs of worship, but that God's presence never leaves me nor forsakes me. That's intended to mean wherever I'm at, he's at. It's not intended to mean when I'm trying to pray, he doesn't leave me or forsake me. It means in the storm, he doesn't leave me. In the success, he doesn't leave me. In the contract application, he doesn't leave me. In the due diligence, he doesn't leave me. In the marriage, he doesn't leave me. See what I mean? It's wherever you're going, he doesn't uh, leave us. It would be easy to think, well, I've got, there's so much to do. Where do you even start? And I think one of the things we've learned about the two legs of faith and action is that you don't have to try and come up with some huge thing to make a start. Sometimes you just need small steps. Just take a small step or to be spiritual about it, plant a small seed. We're always tempted to, I know I'm like that. If things are going uphill, I'd say to myself, I will do a 15 day fast. I will bind the devil. I will, you know, Sometimes all you need to do is just calm down. It's just do five minutes every morning. Just ask the Lord for wisdom. Take the first action he gives you. Do that action. And out of those little steps, he gets you out the forest. Can you say amen? In John chapter 4, Jesus says this, uh, it says this of Jesus rather than the New King James. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, uh, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria uh, came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Why I love this scripture is that our, our lives are a journey and at some point you're walking and at some point you're watering. You can't only be walking and you can't only be offering water. 
Sometimes walk a bit to find somebody with a glass of water. And sometimes somebody else is moving forward and you're not so much, but you give them a glass of water. And between us, we get somewhere. Is that capable? Yeah, I think that's capable. And so I've asked Ryan to, on the point of small steps, uh, share with us how we've done that in our foundation and how you can do that in life. By the way, if you hear the word lever foundation, it's the same as Father's House Foundation. When we took the word Father's House Foundation into the boardrooms of companies, it causes a bit of, you know, is this a secret church thing? So we just simplified it, lever to leverage, um, and it's the same thing. So Ryan, small steps. So the small steps that started our foundation, um, in 2013, before I was working at Father's House, George and I were chatting about the church's responsibility to the poor and around the scripture, uh, looking at the widow and the orphan. But we wanted our church to do more than that. We wanted to go beyond what the Bible says and asks of a church. We want to help people over and above Sundays, even if they aren't Christian, and in fact, even if they don't feel like or want to even come to a church. It's the reason we make sure our building is used, even when it's inconvenient to us. Um, it's so amazing if you come here during the week and you just wonder and you see uh, through what's happening in our kids' church areas and in Warehouse One, we've got such a mix of people that are coming in and out of the building. It's fantastic that I think we have more people come during the week than we even do on Sundays. So um, Wait a minute. <laughs> Did you just fire the first shot? Siri thinks I'm talking to her, yeah. We started our first group um, of unemployed people in the beginning of 2014 in, in one of the, the, I think what is the chapel now. And that has sparked four amazing projects over the years. The focus for us as a foundation has been on unemployment, skills development, and education. And specifically that because we're looking at the pathway of how to enter someone into the economy. So the first project we're gonna, I'm going to share on is our Work for a Living and Red Band Barista Academy. Here we teach people how to get a job. But it's not just how to get a job and the practical side of that. We really address a poverty mindset and the spirit of entitlement. All these programs are run, like I said, in our kids' church. And this gives us the opportunity to use the building during the week. This is one of our uh, people who have come through our programs. This is Suviwe's story. Please uh, have a look at the video. Hello, everyone. My name is Sivi Wesnam. My journey with Father's House started in 2012. I was actually part of the first class of Work for a Living back in the day. Only last year did I decide to give Red Band a chance. I did the training and then I started working at the church, which was only Sundays. And, the, and that was fine for me because I get, to, I get to come to church, I get to worship. Being part of Red Band has sparked beautiful relationships, fruitful relationships, friendships, family. I've met a lot of baristas that we met in training that I'm still, contact, I'm still in contact with. When people from the church, I come in, people smile, and I'm always bubbly, so I'm always smiling back and waving back. That gives a sense of belonging, a sense of home, you know? Like, it's so beautiful to be at church on a Sunday, whether the evening service or the morning. The ambiance, it's so welcoming, and you, you sort of feel like you don't want to really go home. I'm excited to see what Red Band has in store. 
not only for me, but for everybody, because now we're expanding. And there's so many opportunities that are gonna come about. And um, I honestly feel like people are sleeping on coffee because where I come from, they call my job the fancy coffee lady. So I think we, we need, we're just scratching the surface. So there's more to come. There's definitely more to come. How cool is that smile? This just, just before you do the next bit, Sivu did the, one of the first courses in 2014 of Work for a Living. And some of these courses and academies are now being run in our other churches because I'm mindful of our communities in other cities right now too. Yes, they are. So we've got those in every place that we go. Um, no, so I think that smile of, of Sivu is, is such the practical uh, evidence and fruit of um, taking an action and finding a job. All right, one of the other main programs we run, uh, we run many bursary programs and learnerships and apprenticeships here. You'll recognize Lee on stage. She's a part of our worship band, but um, she joined the church through coming through worship band and then uh, also through our foundation a few years later received a university uh, bursary um, and is now actually employed by Father's House. So she's done the full connection between church and foundation. So before we launch that video, these bursaries and learnerships we receive from corporates and then we match with people of integrity and character and issue them on behalf of those corporates a, a bursary to study at university. I say that because some of the corporates are actually in the room right now, it occurred to me. And so you might be thinking, oh, I could get my business to do that. Because remember, you don't know who to choose to help and we'll do that. And we act as an agent on behalf of those two needs. I need a bursary, I've got some uh, social uh, uh, funding, how do I do that? So Lee is one of the recipients. This is Lee's story, please play the video. Hi, Hi. I'm Lee from Reno. In 2016, I was invited by a friend to come and check out Father's house for the very first time. Once I got here, I instantly fell in love with church, both worship and the way Pastor George delivered a Sunday message. Shortly after I joined Father's House Church, I got the opportunity to join the worship team, which was absolutely amazing for me. And through the worship team, I was introduced to the Lieber Foundation. The Lieber Foundation has truly impacted my life and has allowed me to reawaken dreams that have been lying dormant, which was to finish my studies. And I'm currently pursuing my degree in psychology and communication sciences in the hopes of becoming a fashion psychologist. In five years' time, I would have loved to complete my master's and be working in my respective field, which is fashion psychology. I'm so grateful that someone saw it fit to award me the chance to further my studies. Thank you, Lieber Foundation. And then our uh, final project... Before we're you go talk there, about. Ryan, can you just tell us some of the corporates who did some of that with you over the years? Yeah, sure. We've got uh, Coastland Sales, uh, members of our church. Yeah. Um, they've contributed. <laughs> then the Medical Forum, the Iron Laser Clinic. They Iron also... Laser Clinic for nurses. Correct, yes. Yeah. Um, so those are the main two okay. that have been involved with us. Oh, uh, yeah. So, round of applause for those two. And then the last project I want to share with you um, around the foundation is around Tangible Africa. Um, the best time we found to prepare people for the workplace is actually at school. So through our relationship with Professor Jean Freeling from NMU, 
our foundation is the global rollout partner so for right, Tangible Africa. But he's Africa. also from Father's House, hey? Correct. He's on the Father's House leg. George keeps reminding me that all the things we do have a circle back to <laughs> Father's house. I would say how funny that is because he's like, in a moment, going to tell you about how I got connected with Amazon Africa, Amazon people, people, Amazon important. And he meets the guy and he goes, and I was at Father's house. And Ryan phoned me and said, you know, wherever I go, I circle back to Father's house. So I just thought I'd I've been, I've been looking that. forward to this time so, <laughs> for so long because I think... We do so much that we don't talk about as a church and as a foundation. Um, and we're going to be more intentional about telling these stories of how faith and action work together. Um, so, yeah. Tangible. Please play the video. The Tanks Coding app was developed in 2017 by Byron Batterson. Its aim is to introduce learners to coding concepts without the use of computers. Since then, we've added boats and rangers with an additional environmental theme. Over the years, we've reached over 30,000 learners in direct workshops. And with sponsors from generous uh, industry, we've been able to distribute coding kits to schools and NGOs. In 2021, we trained 1,200 teachers and other educators to equip them to introduce coding in class or in coding clubs after school. This year, 30 teachers are implementing 40 lessons in class and they cover most of the topics in the draft curriculum for coding and robotics of the Department of Basic Education. We're very excited to collaborate with Professor Hreiling on the Unplugged Coding Project as the global rollout partner. This is also in addition to our other flagship project, the Red Band Barista Academy. The phones you see me being prepared are proudly South African product, and the phone is called Gweli, and this will be used by our 30 coding evangelists will introduce coding to schools, libraries, and other community venues around South Africa. Our coding evangelists are being trained, mentored, and receive general assistance from our Lever Foundation offices in Kabecha. We already have a presence in some African countries, but our vision for 2022 is to expand our African footprint. Lever Foundation is convinced that the Unplugged Coding Project has the potential to impact millions of learners in Africa and beyond. As Lever Foundation, this is a powerful tool that we see that will be aimed at equipping and preparing the youth for the fourth industrial revolution. That's pretty amazing. Uh, in fact, learnerships is a whole new category of, of uh, involvement that got introduced then. Maybe Ryan can just quickly mention learnerships because I know Eastcape Motors are quite involved in that and they're here this morning too. Yes, so the coding evangelists, which was spoken about now on the video, they are placed all over the country in different provinces, um, and they are on a learnership with us, and those learnerships are, are fully covered by corporates like Eastcape Motors, and they've actually done 30 learnerships with us this year and made the Tangible Africa rollout across the country possible. So we can only do this with the support and joining hands with our, our corporate partners. So if step one is small steps, then at some point your small steps must add up to something significant. And this is the opportunity for partnering well in life and in faith. If you, if you could get just the right combination, the right variables, the right mix, you can take something you've been busy with and turn it into something big. And we believe God wants us to do things on scale. 
we do we do believe that and we think doing things in scale is significant. So point number two, if you guys could stick that up there for me, scale and significance. Romans chapter eight says this this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are. There's an adventure to this faith journey and this spiritual journey. And there's an expectancy to, to be significant uh, and carry the name of Christ into all the world. Amen. And so there's something powerful about this. So I've asked Ryan to share a little about some of the strategy. I'll give you the spiritual and he'll give you the strategy on scaling up and how that works. So, so talk to us, right? The Bible tells us a classic story of when the Israelites were wandering around the desert for 40 years in the wilderness. Now, there's an interesting part here that plays out which speaks into what we're talking today, that the word of God not being mixed with faith and action didn't benefit them. They were children in the wilderness who had the law, they had religion, they had the presence of God every day. God was providing for their needs with miraculous manner. But when they came out of the desert, they didn't know what to do with that new identity of a son. They couldn't get the benefits of the promised land because they still had that mindset of being a slave in Egypt. They were all too familiar with their lack. I know who I am in lack and we're all equal in lack. That's a safe space. But we need to break out of that mindset and step forward. Come on, you're preaching now. The, the Israelites could think big. They had, a, they had the vision, they had the presence of God, they had the prophecy. But they couldn't put that into a plan. They couldn't put that into a structure. They couldn't put that into a strategy. They couldn't action it. And they ended up missing out on the promised land. It's okay to, to, and even even righteous, to believe that we can change the world. We're allowed to dream about changing the world and influencing the outcomes of the world. We should be. We should be doing that. So here's how the church can change the world. The world creates skilled people, but the church is called upon to create people of character. We've dealt with many employers over the years through our Work for a Living program. And something interesting we discovered is that employers aren't looking for skilled cashiers or merchandisers or baristas. They're looking for people who can arrive on time and have a good attitude. They're looking for people who have character. So what impact has our foundation had over the years? Hundreds of people have come through our Work for a Living course and found employment. We now have six Red Band Barrister Academies around South Africa, five in South Africa, one in Uganda, and they are all with amazing partner organizations. Just this year, over 200 people have completed paid learnerships, apprenticeships, or received a bursary to study at university. This includes nurses at NMU or postgrad business courses at Henley Business School. Our Tangible Coding for Youth program has now reached over 60,000 learners in all nine provinces of South Africa. We've also trained over 2,000 teachers on how to use the Unclub Coding program in the curriculum. 
And in 2023, we'll launch into at least five new countries in Africa and Europe. The program is currently being translated into both French and, and Spanish. We've been recognized by various industry awards and have attracted the attention of corporates and companies such as Amazon and Alan Gray. God really has taken this small seed of a conversation in 2014, added structure over the years, and, now, and we are now seeing the significance of what God is going to do on scale. But we are not just interested in running these programs. As a foundation, we really want to address poverty. As a church, we really want to address poverty. We want to be able to look at a community in 10 years, 20 years, and say, something's different there. We want people to ask, something's different there. And maybe on a deeper reflection, people will say, the gospel was here. We're almost there. We have one more point. So many people approach life like they would a buffet at a hotel rather than a menu at a restaurant. What I mean by that is that when you go to a buffet at a hotel, things you've never considered eating, you're going to have. You've never had Meltabella ever in your life. But it's there, it's cooked, and it's free. I'm avid. You're mixing fruits with porridges, with apples. You walk past apples. I'm going to have sausages and bacon and beef sauce and lamb and hash browns. And you land up sitting going nowhere. You know, when people say to me, oh, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have enough money or I don't have enough you know what I've learned about that? Ryan taught me this. There's never a money problem in my life. There's a management of money problem in my life. I hated admitting that. I will never admit it again publicly. It's just this time I'm going to say it. What you need is to say, I'm going to do life God's way. This is the menu of how God wants me to do it. And I don't care if the world shouts at me, get this, get that, have Netflix and Disney Plus and Amazon and uh, plus that, minus that, add that, get that. Wait, wait, what's the menu God has for me? I'm going to stick to his plan and get somewhere. Because the world is wired to keep you where you are and no further. That's how it's wired. Keep you in your place. So I want to share with you a couple of the simplest ways that you can do that, both in faith and in practice. Could you guys put number three up onto the screen, please, production? There you go. Luke chapter 15 says, and the younger of them said to the father, father, give me my portion of goods that falls to me. You know why I love this verse? Because the Bible says he took his livelihood, not many days, gathered all his possessions and journeyed to a far country. Here's somebody going on a journey, but doing it wrong. And just because you have everything you think you need and you embark on a journey doesn't mean it'll work out well if you leave God out of it. And here's a young man who had it all, but it didn't work out well. At Father's house, we're passionate about those two legs. Building church for the kingdom of God, but building the world for the gospel's sake. Those two legs getting us somewhere. This morning is not a feedback or report back on the ordinary tithe 
or Sunday giving. We'll look forward to doing that on Vision Sunday in January or February next year. Today, it's a report back on our impact in society, as well as our dreams, our vision, and our plans year by year. Not what's essential for each month, but what can we do beyond that to make a big change? So I wanted to give you a report back on how hard for the house giving has been going over the last little while. Those of you who don't know what it is, and those of you who may be anxious about this moment, just relax. It is an over and above giving beyond the tithe. It's an offering people do, usually once a year. Some people do it every month by debit order. And I thought I would give you the feedback. This was the Heart for the House offering in 2019. During the pandemic, in fact, uh, uh, our total giving for Heart for the House offering uh, totaled for the year 908,000 rand. I think that's remarkable. We used that to plant churches and to make church better, to reach people online, and to help communities in need. Sometimes people ask me, why do we plant churches? Is one not enough? Two reasons. The one is, I think the church must always be growing in the world. There shouldn't be more coffee shops springing up per capita than churches per capita. Just stay on top of the curve. The second is, I've got to act like a dad. You can't raise people like Mark and Lloyd and Israel and all these guys and then say, well, I don't know what you're going to do when you've grown up enough. You know, go do something else. I think that's not right. If God raises gifts, it's my responsibility to help them build a room so they can use their gift in that room. And so that's a, a contributing factor. I'm not going to be here forever, you know, but to raise people. In, let's do it as quick as we can because I'm aware of time. Hot for the House offering 2019 was um, uh, 908. 2020, during the pandemic, we stopped talking about it. We just let it tick over and we continued to invest into our structure. 2020's giving was 801,000 Rand. 2021, the very worst of the pandemic, was 420,000 Rand. And 2022, ending today, because we go from September, to, uh, from October to October, was 509,000 Rand in Heart for the House Giving. Two years of not talking about it at all. I want to commend you for your faithfulness. I think that's a miracle we've just put up on the screen. I also want to say that that excludes certain other kinds of giving, which I'll talk to you about in a moment, that's special giving. You might wonder, why do you need a heart for the house giving? Can't I just, just normal tithe? Here's what happened some years ago. People would come to us if they own a company and say, I've had a good year and I've had my dividends declared. What can I buy for the church? Then we wouldn't know what to say. Or sometimes the church would come to, you know, department in the church and say, oh, the projecting kids' church died. Can we get a new projector? So to prevent us from getting up every few weeks and saying, church, here's a feather. We want to fill the feather to buy a projector or the thermostat. Or to prevent the confusion of somebody coming and saying, I've got some cash and I'd like to do something for God. If I gave, The first time it happened to me, a businessman came and said, I want to give a million rand. What would you do with it? I didn't have an answer. You had a prophecy, though. <laughs> I had lots of prophecies. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Um, and I realized I shouldn't be in that position again. I must know. And so we promised not to ask every couple of weeks. And 
you commit to putting it together at one time of the year or put it in a separate bank account. And once a year, we just do everything. We upgrade, we update, we improve kids' church. I'd love to see kids' churches on my heart at the moment, and I don't have kids, but every kids' church and every site needs to be like top quality content and enjoyment. Top quality, I think, is key. And so it's things like that. Uh, if people do contribute uh, to Heart for the House, then um, those who contribute a thousand rand a month or more, or twelve thousand rand for the year, form part of a group we call Kingdom Investors. It's a little email group, and what we do is we email you to ask, "What do you think of?" So there is a Heart for the House bank account, um, and it's for all our churches. We dream together, we spend together, and we sow together. Um, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I want to say this is an example of how faith and action are working together. You know, there's, there's the vision and there's the prophecy around what we want to achieve, and that yeah. um, is vital, but then now we have a structure. So we'll actually publish the dream for each church for the next year on our website, and that's what the giving's going to go to. You can look it up. Oh, they want to do this, set up a coffee shop in Cape Town. They want to uh, set up you know, the kids' facilities in J-Bay a little better. They'd like to sort out this or that in Kareha. And we'll, we'll put it out there for you to see, and you'll know that's where the total goes to, and we'll report on it on the next year. In fact, we've also invited some people in the team here to give us feedback. So Leighton Gross and Tommy LaRue, Herman Moss, they're all going to help us in the coming year. What should we do to answer questions like, should we ever buy this building, for instance? Future questions that we should ask about, or at least get air conditioning, you know, or I don't know. Something. Uh, we think we shouldn't make those decisions on our own. We think we should consult with teams to make those kinds of decisions, and those would work towards the future. And so that's up on the screen. So it's ordinary giving once off by debit order in a designated account, 12,000 Rand a year uh, or more. We'll invite you to an annual get together with dinner, and we'll talk about our plans. So when we announce them, you already have had input into that and given some contribution. Then the third is uh, lever investments, Ryan. I think that's a, a key. And I might get it wrong, so if I get it wrong, you just fix me. Um, our foundation is a shareholder in some companies. Because the foundation meets legal requirements of equity partner. That makes sense? So it is a, a partner, a, a minor partner in some businesses, and those businesses issue dividends every year. And in fact, our generators in North End and some of the generators for our other sites were, were bought with dividend shares issued this last year. And you can't put that money into normal church life because that's not what a foundation is for. Church is church and foundation is foundation. But um, if you're looking for an equity partner in your company because your contracts rely on it, why don't you, why don't you talk to Ryan and perhaps Father's Us, uh, the bigger part in the Lever Investments company can sit at the table and be part of your, did I get that right? Very good. Yay! That was very stressful for me. I get the terminology wrong. So if you're not sure who your equity partner should be, and we won't interfere with your business, all we ask is you do business with integrity. And then we'll, we'll come and help there. So, and then um, I think there is a, a last area of involvement. Am I right? Did I leave something about? Ah, learnerships and bursaries. Perhaps your company 
um, is looking for ways of issuing learnerships, bursaries, or scholarships, and you don't know who to choose to give it to, you get a hold of us, and we'll pick the right people, and we'll get them qualified, and we'll get them qualified with Christ in the center of their lives, and get Christians up out in the marketplace with qualification and character making a difference in the world rather than randomly distributing resources and hoping they'll pass their first year and they don't party it away. And that's the area we were fixing because you had corporates saying, well, give them money and then there's a high dropout rate and that seems like a waste. Let's do it this way instead. And so you could get involved in any one of those areas. Did I cover that right, Ryan? Perfect. I'm so excited right now. This is such a win. <laughs> it's easy to look at this and go, oh, that's an admin kind of a day or a behind-the-scenes kind of a day. But let me tell you that th those of you who so into behind-the-scenes make it possible for us to put a seat out for a guest every Sunday. And to take a Sunday in the year to acknowledge that and the journey and say thank you will make the other 51 Sundays of the year significantly possible in what we do in reaching lives. There is this scripture, I'm going to close with a, I'm a bit over time, I'm sorry. There's a scripture in Luke chapter 11 about the persistent neighbor. I won't read it to you, but you'll, you'll know. It says, if somebody comes to visit you and you don't have any food, you go knock on the neighbor's door and you say, listen, my friend visited and I don't have anything. And the neighbor will say, just go away, I'm sleeping. But if you are persistent enough, your neighbor will get up and say, what do you need? Here's some bread. And there's a verse that it ends with that uh, is very powerful. And that is the idea, I can't have a friend on a journey come and visit me and I have nothing to set before them. Our prayer as a church is when people on their journey come visit us, it doesn't matter what time of day or night, we, the Church of Jesus Christ, will have something to put on the table for them on their journey. I think that's important. Is it okay if we stand to pray, everybody, in all our churches? <laughs> Ryan, I'd like you to stay. I'd like you to pray with me. You okay with that? Um, I'm going um, to invite Ryan to do a prayer, um, and I'm going to pray afterwards. And my spiritual prayer will be that that which is a vision for you will be also be a strategy for you, that God will give you the tools you need to know what step to take in every sphere of your life, spiritual, relational, emotional, financial. Lord, give me steps today. That'll be my prayer. I'm, I'm going to invite Ryan to also pray for us. So would you kick us off? God, we thank you that you give us both legs, faith and action. Yeah. And we pray that over the coming weeks, if we're lacking in one of those, you nudge us and show us how we can have more faith or more action. We really want to make a difference in the world and we want to step out and we also want to rely on you. So we pray, God, that you come and meet us there and we'll bring both our faith and a bit of action. Lord, thank you for a word in season, but also a way to walk. Thank you, Lord, that you've 
guided us again and again in Scripture that we should take what we have learned and heard and put into practice. And when we do that, the one sows, the other waters. God gives the increase. Thank you, Lord, that he who sows and he who waters are equally rewarded and are equally important, but that the glory and the honor goes to our Lord. Would you teach us to walk by faith, one step in front of the next, so that our actions and our believing are not outrageous nonsense, but that they are extraordinary, powerful actions. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise and worship and thanksgiving?